The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Ab number 227 for Monday, November 23rd, 2009. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab. I'm Dave Hamilton here in Durham, New Hampshire, and all the way on the Skype from Fairfield, Connecticut. It is John. Hi, John. That's and John F. Braun, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I was here, but you were not. You were you were on a boat. I was on a ship. The uh, the captain's very particular ship. about that. Uh, I guess when it not when a it, boat, a ship. Ah, well, you know, okay. it's, it's almost a thousand feet long. I, I think they say that the <laughs> the Disney Magic, which is the ship that we were on last week, um, was is almost. Is about as long as the Empire State Building is tall, which is actually pretty, you know, pretty large. And uh, how many people they cram on that thing? Um, I think guest wise, it's about two thousand, some somewhere in the the low two thousands, twenty five hundred okay. maybe. I think so, and about a thousand crew. So cool, yeah. And a good time was had by all. No, it was. Disney's a quality operation. I like them. Yeah, it, and they, yeah, you're right. And uh, we had a we had a fantastic time. The weather, we got you know we were blessed with the weather. It was absolutely perfect the the whole time. And uh, and I finally, after uh, three failed attempts on on previous missions, I, I finally was able to go parasailing this uh, this cruise. I did that on Friday. Oh, neat! Yeah, it was very cool. Much more serene and calm. Than I expected. I, I kind of expected it to be this, you know, crazy, you know, violent sort of thing. And it was the most it was the smoothest, calmest little thing. Uh, it was awesome. So the wind was under your wings. I did. I actually put my uh, put my arms way out when I was up about 400 <laughs> feet and uh, and pretended I was flying. So that was pretty cool. I'm sure the people on the boat thought I was nuts, but, you know. To heck with them. It's vacation, man. Yeah, All right. Exactly. So back to reality or what we call our podcast here. We have a whole <laughs> boatload of things because we got two weeks worth, Dave. I think we got. Oh, my God. Did you intend that sinking. pun? Did you intend that pun? A boatload? Yes, OK, good. But we have sinking Ethernet routers, backups. Just I, I don't know where to start, Dave. Do you? Uh, well, I'm going to go by the agenda that uh, that we cobbled together earlier today. Uh, and I'll start with some some follow up stuff because uh, we had quite a bit of comments about uh, various items from our previous show. So mixing things up, we will start with the follow ups. Uh, Thomas wrote, uh, Dave, since you have a review unit of the Mighty Mouse, can you answer a question for me? Can you click both the right and left buttons at the same time with the Mighty Mouse? Uh, this was impossible. So while in a computer game, say Counter-Strike Source, you may need the functionality of both buttons simultaneously, but could not since there was only one trigger. Is this the same case with the new mouse? And, and the answer, the short answer is yes, it is the same case with the new mouse. Um, though, as we talked about last time, but, but to, to elaborate, I believe there is only one button sensors. There, there is only one click sensor inside the mouse and it senses whether you, your finger is on the left side or the right side with its multi-touch uh, surface there. Uh, I did try pushing down on both simultaneously and it acted as though I just did a normal click, not an alternate click. So for, you know, right-handed people in a traditional setup, that would be, it acted as though I did a left click and not a right click. All right. So, so just to jump into wild speculation, speculate, <laughs> but I, I would imagine that the, the surface of the mouse is 
smart enough to know if you are doing what is being stated here, which is you press on both the right and the left and you depress the mouse button. Correct. One would imagine somebody, a clever developer perhaps, and they may have done this already. I, I've, oh. I've heard, I've heard suggestions of hacks to do this, but you got to imagine somebody's being able to write something saying, yeah, by the way, if somebody clicks here and here and does this, you know, that's probably, yeah, I don't know though. I don't have the device. I, I don't know. And I, I don't know if you've dug around for, uh, no, but I should. You know, the um, thing is, I've got gotten... away for a while. I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard mumblings in the uh, magic mouse. Oh, isn't that <laughs> aptly named? <laughs> yes. Especially uh, where you've been. That's right. But anyways. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's good. That's a that's interesting. I got to dig into that. In fact, I'm, I'm putting it on my post show follow up. Uh, magic mouse hacks. Uh, and so, I, yes, I will look into that. That's good. That's good. Now, you were off the grid, right? Oh, dude, absolutely. I, I don't think I saw you tweet or anything. Yeah. No, no, no. My my iPhone turned off um, basically the moment we got on the flight to head down to Florida. Although I, I do have to tell you a story because I had a blast with this and Pete would laugh at me and, and our, our pilot friends would laugh at me. But I'm just going to tell you anyway. I did turn on my iPhone the next morning. So we flew in Friday night. The cruise leaves Saturday. We stay at the Orlando uh, airport. There's a there's a Hyatt right there, right smack dab mm-hmm. in the terminal. And so you stay there and then Disney comes and gets your luggage in the morning. And then the next place you see it, it's the stateroom there on, on the ship, which is great. I woke up early that Saturday morning. Uh, the family was still asleep. And so I went out on the deck. There was a little deck in our hotel room. And I realized I was right in the middle of the Orlando airport. I mean, like I could see all four runways and I thought, oh, hang on. So I, I reached back into the room and I got my iPhone and I did. I turned it back on. I queued up live uh, which gives you air traffic control. And, and this was about, you know, just shy of 7 a.m. Uh, that Saturday morning. And well, that's when things get jumping, right? It, 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 things start moving, right? You know, a little bit. Uh, and, and so I, I found the, uh, the, the feed for the Orlando Tower. And I sat and listened to the uh, to the tower. And I, I did this for about an hour uh, as planes were mostly just taxiing and taking off. Uh, and then eventually some started poking out of the clouds and landing and, and, you know, listening to them on their approach and as they were bringing them in and stuff. And it was actually a whole bunch of fun. Um, so that, that's how I started my vacation. So I did I did go back on the grid, you know, in a in a very limited sense. I, what I do when I go on vacation, I actually take my the mail app out of my um, springboard. Uh, which is, you know, the little dock on the iPhone. And I, I put it on like the last page. So just in case I do have to turn it on for whatever reason, and it goes out and it fetches mail, I don't see the little red, you know, 25 on there and I'm tempted to read messages or whatever. But uh, so, yes, I was, I was completely off the grid until we got uh, back to land. So, yeah. All right. Back to land. Back to land. Uh, oh yeah. So last week, not last week, two weeks ago, we were talking about, uh, someone was asking how to reinstall just iChat or just mail. This has kind of been a common thread. And uh, and there have been various uh, discussions of this. However, there there was one that uh, that we missed, one easy way that we missed entirely. And, and so our, our caller helps explain. Oh, no, it's another finger wag. Uh, Dave, you <laughs> said that there was not a way to reinstall iChat from the install disk. However, there is. You go... You insert Snow Leopard or Leopard DVD, and you click on it in the Finder, and when it comes up, there's a little folder called Optional Installs. You click on the installation in there, and then it comes up with a big list of things that you can install, and iChat, Mail, um, everything's on there, including iTunes. So 
which I've actually had to use that feature. So thanks very much. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks very much to you. That's uh, that's actually handy information. I don't know that, uh, I, you know, a lot of times we'll we'll mention something or, or miss something and somebody will call in like this and say, oh, no, 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 you missed it. It's this. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. With this one, I, there was no that's right moment for me. I, I don't believe I ever knew this. So thank you very much for uh, for enlightening us. John, and then it jogged my memory, Dave. And yeah. that uh, this is certainly the the uh, one of the the correct ways to go about this. But uh, a general tool for doing this, and this is something that uh, I think I wrote an article about long ago in the past. But it's still around, and it's called something. It's called Pacifist. Uh, you go to charlessoft.com. Yep. Uh, Pacifist will let you. Um, in a different way, but lets you dig into a .pkg file, which is, for the most part, um, and and other types. I'm sorry. So package files, uh, DMG, disk image files, and some other files. And if it sees, it can basically dig in and let you, uh, as as the uh, description of the web page implies, it lets you dig into a package or a uh, disk image file and install just a piece of software. So this is a general way. If you don't want to, as as they imply, you can either reinstall the entire OS, which is certainly one way of doing it, but probably not the best in, in some cases. This lets you uh, do similar to what he suggested, but uh, again, as a more general tool. So pacifist. And it is compatible with Snow Leopard. They mentioned that on their page, which is cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So you, you, there there are many ways uh, to to get at these files. And and pacifist pacifist is great if you uh, if you need to dig into even third party stuff like you were saying so that's good uh, okay and then lastly as a follow up uh, let me find the email here Eric uh, wrote in we we talked about we answered a question about why John and I don't tend to use or why we don't own uh, Apple TVs. Uh, there's, of course, a lot of you out there that do use them uh, and and there's a lot of benefits to them. I mean, it you know, and I think we talked about that. But but Eric pointed out one uh, one key thing here. And uh, and I wanted to, to read his email. He says, guys, I'm an avid listener, but I thought the collective shrug about the Apple TV was unbecoming for the Uber geeks that you are. And thank you for the uh, the 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 I guess that's a left handed compliment there. But the, but that's good. Uh, you basically said the Apple TV was fine for iTunes, but didn't offer enough other content options. Since when have you accepted the stock apps on any Apple product with Mac OS 10? There are tons of utilities, terminal tricks and apps that shape the use of the product iPhone is much more complete adding apps with a small amount of hackery. The Apple TV can run boxy XMBC or other options to unlock more and more content and potential. I'm happy with the stock Apple part of the device, but the other software puts the device over the top for a more useful solution, especially for a geek. The friendly finger wag is now over. Cheers, Eric. Uh, you want to you want to take the first. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything to say here? I mean, I, I, Eric makes a valid point. Uh, I, I just I have a I, I have a. I have something to, to clarify my position. I may beat you to it, but I would say I, I would be frightened of the, the heavy gauntlet of Apple uh, to come smashing down on your, um, you know, illusion of it being open or, or hackable because they hate that stuff. I mean, we've seen this time and time again with iTunes and iPods and, and even Apple TV. I don't know. So if it, but as an adventure, I, I would not, you know, use it as a day to day device. It sounds like, something interesting to hack with. But uh, again, Apple likes to, you know, discourage 
and I don't know, maybe there's a community around the Apple TV I don't know about, but it sounds to me like that's a, a risky proposition. Even though I know it may be able to do the the, the other things. Uh, Dave, you and I, you know, the, the TiVo just has everything in one box, and I still don't see the Apple TV as a out-of-the-box functioning and working until they update the software as, as something I'd want to rely on day-to-day. So... I, I'm I'm with you uh, on this as, as we discussed. So uh, the the big thing for me is yes, these hacks do get it closer. Uh, but there's two problems with that. One is they don't get it close enough, and and by that I mean they don't give you access to on the air programming. Right? You know, there's no way to get the signal, the digital signal coming in over your cable. Oh, you got the big one. That's right, because we have. Uh, I mean, in both our cases, I think we have two tuners. In the TV cable cards that yeah. will decode, including encrypted stuff. You know, That's it's right. all digital now, anyway. So, so the Apple TV is missing a tuner, which I think is the intent. Oh yeah, that's by design. That's not an accident. Yeah, but but for me, I still watch plenty of stuff that way, and it and it works for me. So so that's the big problem. That no matter how much you hack it, I don't think there's any way of getting that in. Now you could uh, forgo the Apple TV, get a Mac Mini, do the whole front row thing, and then you've got options for getting tuned content in. But even still, I don't think you get, can get cable card decoded content in. But but I may be wrong on that. Uh, number two is I'm not the only one that watches. Uh, the content that we have on our TiVo. If I were to replace my TiVo with a hacked Apple TV, uh, that now means that when my kids get up at six 30 or seven o'clock on a Saturday morning and they want to watch TV, but Oh no, some software update came in from Apple over the night that broke the, the hacking and disabled whatever feature it is that they want to, to, to use. Guess what happens? My children pitter patter into my room and they wake me up. And now I'm daddy tech support at seven ten AM on a Saturday morning. Uh, I can You're avoid that. Being. What's that? Your problem being. Yes, this is the, the, the entire scenario is a problem for me. You, you, you knew you would sign up for this, didn't you? Well, I signed. I did sign up for it. However, I can do things uh, to keep the instances or the incidents of uh, that require tech support to a minimum. And having a hack device that my entire family relies on is not one of those things uh, that I am willing to do. So. I think I think that about covers it on our opinion. Again, I don't have a problem with the Apple TV in, in general. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that use it. Pilot Pete uses one, uh, but uh, but it just you know it. I think I've said it before, uh, and I'll say it one last time, or maybe not even the last time. I had TiVo long before the Apple TV was even conceived, and so we are very entrenched in that TiVo world, and it works for us. Um, if we had to make the decision again, would we go the same route? Honestly, probably not because of the cost of entry into a TiVo. But but knowing what I know about the TiVo, I'm glad I'm here. So, no nope. Apple TV. I, I I say again, it's 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 fun to uh, you know for what it does. Uh, I, but again, I'd be nervous about the. Uh, again, I I can appreciate, but also be somewhat hesitant about the hackable nature of it. Yeah. So. Moving All right. On. Moving on. Our first sponsor for this show is Notebook 3.0 from Circus Ponies. Now, Notebook 3.0 uh, is something that's going to allow you to clear clutter from your life. If you have information related to a specific topic uh, 
it allows you to organize all this naturally using uh, a notebook interface that's that's very familiar. It even looks like a lined notebook when you first start it up. It's like a, a white. I think you can even do a yellow lined notebook. Uh, and then you can pull in. You can start typing notes. You can tab. You can hierarchically uh, organize content. And then you can start dragging in files or even whole folders uh, of, of information. You can clip web pages. You can pull in email messages. Uh, and you can add all this to the notebook without ever leaving whatever app you're in. So from Safari, you can send stuff directly to the notebook. From Mail, you can send stuff directly through to the notebook. Uh, and you can pu pull all this data together. If it's sensitive data, let's say it's for some uh, you know top super secret uh business thing that you're working on uh, at your job or, or perhaps even at home. Maybe you, you're cooked up a, an idea of your own. Uh, you can encrypt and password protect it. Then once you've got, you can have multiple notebooks. You can have one for, for your business stuff, one for your home life, one for let's say your, your child's school. And then you can search across all of them with, with something that circus ponies calls multi-decks lets you Find information based on what you know about it. So maybe the day you entered it or a keyword that you typed or what it is. Maybe it's a PDF or it was a web clipping and you can go and find this stuff. All available at circusponies.com. It's notebook 3.0. There is, of course, a free 30 day test drive. And then once you've decided you're going to get it, uh, a standard license is forty nine ninety five. A family pack, which allows you to use three copies, uh, is ninety nine ninety five, and uh, all available at circusponies.com. So we thank them for being a sponsor and, and go check it out. I think you might uh, you might you might find it very interesting. All right, Dave, do you have like a, a reverb filter ready or? A do I have a reverb? I, I I might have a reverb filter. I can get that going. Yeah yeah yeah. Is it is it time to talk about the? Uh, yes. Geek challenge. Okay, there we go. Uh, anyway, last week, two weeks ago, last show, uh, we had someone write in to do something, asking how to do something that on the surface appears very simple and should be very doable. And that is they wanted to save items to one folder on their Mac and have that folder duplicated to another folder on their Mac just to simplify the process that there were, there were some other nuances there, but, but essentially that's what they're looking to do. Now we know of all sorts of ways to do this to multiple Macs. We could use Dropbox. We could use iDisk. We could use uh, various other things out there. Some backup programs, right? Time machine even would do this in its own way, but, uh, but, but not as straightforward as what this user wanted. And so we got quite a few emails about this, John, right? And, uh, the, the one that seemed the most clever and solved the problem, almost solved the problem the best, uh, is, is one from Jim. And so Jim says, do you want to add anything before I, before I dive into Jim's solution? Or you want to, you want to add some color afterwards, John? No, I'm with, uh, uh, all right. Jim's right, man. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Jim writes a couple of years ago, I wanted to do a similar thing. I had a folder on my Mac of purchased eBooks. And whenever I added new book to that folder, I wanted the folder synchronized with a folder on a local network volume to back up the books. I did this by pairing Chronosync's uh, application from econtechnologies.com and the finders folder action scripts. I created a sync document with Chronosync that would keep the folders in sync wrote an Apple script to run the synchronization and then added the Apple script as a folder action script to my eBooks folder. 
worked like a charm. Whenever I added an ebook file to the folder, it would instantly sync over to the folder on the network. And Jim has gone so far as to provide us with a link uh, to the uh, the script that he wrote and the instructions for for how to uh, how to implement it. So we'll we'll put a link to this in the show notes. Michael Johnston will put a link right here in the show, and uh, and and you'll have a, a a way of doing this. Now, um, we also got an email from Bruce, uh, and Bruce didn't really have a straight answer. However. Uh, one of the things Bruce mentioned was using an application, a terminal application called rsync. And what rsync does is essentially the same thing. It You can tell rsync, keep these two folders in sync and you can do it. You can tell to do it as a one way sync only, you know, from this folder to that folder, delete anything, not delete sync back two ways. It, it's very, very flexible. Uh, but my thought was, well, instead of if you don't want to have chronosync firing up uh, every time that, that you modify one of these folders, you could take Jim's path and in your Apple script, instead of firing up Chronosync in your Apple script, fire up rsync, which will happen uh, kind of in the background in the terminal there. And uh, and that that might work very well for you. So uh, if you're comfortable with the terminal and rsync, then that's probably a, a less UI intrusive way to go. But but certainly Chronosync will uh, will do it and is very easy to uh, to configure. Do you have anything to no, add there, I'd, John? I'd, Go. I'd poke around with uh, Automator. Uh, I'm looking at Automator. Mm. I haven't used it in a while, but Automator has to have something. I mean, I see a whole bunch of actions um, that have to do with copying files and, and stuff over a network. So uh, uh, I got to apologize. I, I, I don't know the last time you used Automator, Dave. I mean, I've, I've, I've dabbled with Apple's various attempts at scripting. Uh, AppleScript is still very strong, and there's a, a large community out there that supports AppleScript. Oh, yeah. Um, automator, I think is a, a higher, maybe a higher level or a different, you know, lens on, on how to control the Mac and stuff. Um, I tend to look for something that already does what I want to do. Right. Yeah. Um, no, auto, automator, so I, I poke around with automator. It, 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 I, uh, I don't think uh, automator is going to do it. Um, I, okay. I use automator every week. I, I have a, uh, um, automator action, actually two automator actions that I wrote that, that essentially can totally convert the show. When we finish, we have an AIFF file. I drag it onto an automator action and it walks through the whole process of converting it to MP3, uploading that, naming it the right thing, the whole deal. But it's just step by step by step. I, you, there's nothing automated about it in, in terms of it launching. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's an application like anything else. It's just very easy to build a workflow because everything kind of flows from one, one to another. You say, look, uh, you, you know, you tell it, uh, pass this file to iTunes and perform this action. Right. And, and then iTunes, it kind of funnels out and it's a, it's a graphical thing. It's, it's very visual when you're building these, these, yes. uh, these workflows and you say, okay, now whatever iTunes spits out, I want you to, in the finder, I want you to rename. And then whatever the finder spits out, then I want you to send to transmit and upload. And then, you know, from, from there and, and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. So I, I think you'd still need folder actions, although you could accomplish instead of using Apple script, you could probably accomplish the, the workflow with automator, but, uh, but you'd still need no. folder actions to, to trigger the, the launching of this. Perhaps. Now, one thing I want to mention as I was looking through Automator mm -hmm. is that there are some actions here that look to be part of Apple Remote Desktop. And the ones I see are copy items to computers and yeah. 
copy items the computer lists. Now, I'm looking at the icon and it has, you know, a pair of binoculars, which I believe is Apple remote. Yeah, so that's stuff. That's multiple computers. Yeah. So they are. Uh, so what I'm just observing is that there are scripts that I think uh, uh, Automator was made aware of because you and I looked at that a while ago. Right. So that yeah. may be part of but, but that involves third party software. So, yep. Yeah, well, and also Apple Remote Desktop is isn't going to do what our original user wanted, right? I mean, because we're talking about just one machine, but yeah, no, it apps can install their own Automator um, libraries and actions uh, when you when you install the app. So the first time you launch the app, it kind of registers itself to the system and says, "Aha, hey, over here, I've got uh, you know seven Automator actions that will allow Automator to interact with me." And then, and then you're, you know, you're good to go from there. So yeah, I gotta goof around with this more. The more it's I'm looking cool. at this, the more I see there may be a way to uh, to do this with Automator. But I'll I'll work on it. All right, cool, awesome, that's great. On to cool stuff found, John. Indeed. All right, uh, Kirk. This is pretty cool, which is why we put it in this category. Uh, Kirk told us about an app called Forever Save Light. At Tool Force Software, T O L F O R C E S W dot com. This app adds autosave to any application that doesn't already have it. Uh, as Kirk says, in my mind, it is highly necessary for any iWork user. I just discovered it and now I can't live without it. There is Forever Save Lite, which is free and only does autosaving. Then there's also a paid version with some version tracking and backup capabilities. Uh, Forever, Forever Save Lite, obviously, as he said, is the, uh, is the free one. Did you check this thing out, John? I see it is Snow Leopard compatible. No, I have not. I can imagine what it does, but yep. but no, I checked the web page, and it uh, yeah, it um reminds me of a feature that was in some Microsoft apps. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I actually be wondering if it does an incremental or a you know a full or whatever. But uh, again, a lot of apps already had this function. To have it at a you know higher level, I think is very cool. Yeah, so I will be checking it out, but I, I saw the web page. Yeah, the pro the pro version, I think, will do uh, version management. Uh, so, oh, you, nice. Oh, oh, I see a checklist here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, which is pretty cool um, because that way, you know, if, if you if it auto saves something and you're like, oh, wait, I didn't want to save that. Uh, you know, there's sometimes where you might be editing a file. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll open up a file, start editing it and then choose file save as and save it as something different. Um, you know, if I, if I want to create something different, I don't, I know the, the Microsoft apps were pretty good about that. They auto save to a different spot. And until you told mm-hmm. it to save back to the original app, you know, original file, uh, it would not overwrite your, your, uh, your initial one. Yep. So I don't, I don't, I'm guessing this, you know, with, with version management, uh, you'd get that, but, but otherwise with the light version, I think, you know, you got to kind of be careful in in thinking about how you how you interact with stuff but i have not checked it out yet that would be my one concern yeah, yeah. i would imagine it'd be a kind of compliment uh time machine oh absolutely yeah yeah i wouldn't and at I, least somebody's yeah. thinking about saving something on a regular you know i actually mm-hmm. uh, i don't know about you dave but i typically in a lot of apps where i'm writing a long document or something where i do not want to lose the work i i just almost instinctually in whatever app i'm in hit command s or, you know, on Windows, uh, yep. you know, Control uh, S. Alt F and then S or, or whatever, whatever yep. it is in that app, because I'm just I've had too many disasters where <laughs> the Absolutely. problem was I didn't save anything at all. So, yeah, 
I think the it's, last it's time great apps have it and some do, but I, I still get nervous sometimes. Or, you know, if I'm using notepad or, or yeah. whatever, or text editor or something like that. Yeah, no, I, I, I do it too. It's, it, it, it is a, it has become a habit. You know, as you were describing that, I, I, I was reminded of a couple of times in college where I was working on stuff and, you know, you just go hours and hours and then you know, the power goes out or, or whatever. I mean, it, it, something happens. You're like, Oh crap. How did I lose that? I mean, it, th- there's few things more frustrating than, than having hours worth of work just disappear, especially when you're writing. Cause it's so hard to recreate that. You know, it's similar to when, when we do the show and we get to about what this point, uh, it's like the 30 minute mark. And then I tell you, uh, John, I didn't press the button. I didn't record. No, you, you did press the button. I, I yes. did. I just checked. <laughs> <laughs> I had Good. checked earlier, but I checked again now because I, I know how Murphy's Good. law works. Yeah. So yeah, forever oh, yeah. save light. Definitely check it out. That, that sounds cool. Uh, and, and then something else in the cool stuff found category. And I like cool stuff like this. Uh, Jim, no, not Jim. Jeff writes, I've got the wrong thing queued up here. Jeff writes uh, on episode 192. He's going back. Uh, you mentioned frustrations with the open save dialogue. Default folder is an option, but looking at it, it did not seem like something that would be of much benefit. One trick I off. I disagree there, by the way, I, I couldn't live without default folder, but but. Love it. Moving on. Right. Uh, Jeff, Jeff has a good point here. One trick I often use, which is close to one of default folders features, is that you can use drag and drop to drag or drop a folder or file from the finder uh, or pathfinder into the open save dialog. You can even drag and drop an individual file into the attach button within a web page in Safari, and it will do just that. If you are saving and drag a file onto the save dialog, the save file name will be set to that of the file you just dropped in from the finder. Just thought this is a very good alternative for those that don't have the money to purchase another app or want the feature without having to use a separate app. What do you think, John? I'm with you, though I have to say default folder is one of the first things <laughs> after menu meters that I install on my Mac when, when I get it. So. Yeah. I have be, I have a actually I'm going to finish talking. It about should Jeff. be built into the OS. I'm sorry. Yeah. Although this is pretty cool. I mean, being able to it, drag, uh, you know, if you've got something open in the finder, being able to drag that in to, to force a open save dialogue to navigate True. there. That, yes. I mean, that's really handy. So so definitely don't forget about that. Uh, that said, I agree with you. Default folder is something I, I have trouble living without. Uh, and then lastly, to follow your tangent, uh, menu meters is actually no longer something I install. What? Yeah. Are you using, uh, have you defected to iStat? I have. <laughs> uh, and, and there's a couple of reasons why. Now, origin, iStat's menus are, are pretty. Or iStat Pro, right? ISTAT, no, just iStat menus, right? Oh, iStat menus. Okay. Yep. Um, they are, they're prettier. Now, years ago, the reason I didn't use them was because they used about three times the CPU horsepower uh, yeah. that menu meters requires. That is still true. The difference is that instead of it being uh, 2% for menu meters and 6% for iStat, it's like, you know, uh, a third of a percent for menu meters and less than 1% for iStat. So, okay. It, so they got their act together as far as well, no, the processors just got faster. That's all. It's still three times less efficient than menu meters, but mm, all right, but you know, but <laughs> so it's, they're trying to do a lot, but yeah, okay. but see, that's the, the thing. Progress. And, and, and it's some of that a lot that I like. In particular, the um, now, now out of the gate, and they, 
They've got to come up with a better way of doing this. Uh, out of the gate, they look terrible to me, the menus. I, I have to go in and, really? and, and customize them and cut, change the colors. And what I wish I could do was once I got it all set, I wish I could save that. You know, here's how I want my menus. Here's the menus that I want. Here's the colors that I want. Here's the, you know, whatever. And I wish I could save that to a, hmm. a file so I could import it to, you know, my three other Macs. Right. That said, once I get it configured, I like the way it looks. And what I really like is if I see my CPU, you know, one of the things I use menu meters for uh, or I step menu, either one of is to keep an eye on my processor so that I if I happen to have an app that runs away with with the CPU, I can mm-hmm. I, I'm aware of that because otherwise I might not be aware. You know, if something's using 100 percent of the CPU, you might not know. Uh, and so, you know, with with menu meters or I step menu, you can visibly see that just at a glance. What you can do with iStat menu that menu meters won't do is if you click on that, it drops down into a menu and shows you the top five apps by CPU usage. You can do the same with the RAM window or with the, the, you know, the RAM menu and see the top five apps by RAM usage. This is much quicker for me than opening up activity nice. monitor, navigating through, waiting for it to, you know, sample its first round of data, et cetera, et cetera. So, so that's really the key reason that, oh. that I use. I nice. so use zero. Yeah. It leads you right to the probable cause of it, yeah. your mishap. That's right. That's right. And these menus are live nice. as they are with menu meters. Uh, you know, if you click on a menu and drop it down, it will continue to update live as you've got the menu open. So it's, it's a quick little glance, but I, I that's, I really like it. Um, so there you go. I, but it, I, yeah, I did. I defected John. I'm sorry. I'm That's right, sure man. What that means. <laughs> uh, all right. Who's, uh, Kim is next a quick one, but, but handy Kim writes, I have a quick question. It seems when I send an email, some of the time it will show it under drafts and sent. So I'm never sure if it went through any suggestions, uh, as a mail user, I experienced this problem a lot, especially because I'm an IMAP user, which means that I am constantly interacting with my mail server. Apple Mail has a pesky little bug that they keep saying they fixed and they haven't. Uh, if you choose to store your draft messages on the server, it will often store multiple copies of that draft message while it's in progress. It auto saves the drafts, by the way, to the server while you're editing them, which is good. But it loses track sometimes of what it has saved. And so you will wind up with sometimes multiple drafts of the same message in various states or as Kim is describing one message uh, that's sitting out there and you've you know, you've sent it. But for some reason, it did not clear the draft off the server. So the easiest solution is to disable storing drafts on the server. And you do that by going into mail, choosing preferences, accounts. You select your account from the list. Click on mailbox behaviors in the right panel and then uncheck store draft messages on the server. And that uh, that should that should clear this problem up, Kim. Yeah, personally, I still use it. And, you know, I got a shout out from at least one other listener who still uses Eudora 6.2.4. It works under Snow Leopard. So that's two out of what? Twenty five thousand or something, right? <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that's statistically really? significant. Wow. Uh, <laughs> no no it's not that's I mean, it's not because you know uh at least one of those two has a uh has a powerful voice here so <laughs> where are we uh we are 
You're going to stick with Eudora forever. I'm, I'll, I'll explore this a little bit. You're going to stick with Eudora forever, John? Yeah. All yeah. right, cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And now, now Cold you're, stops working, then I'll go to mail. You're not doing IMAP with it. You're doing POP, correct? Yes. Okay. So when you finally see the light on IMAP, that, that may be the thing that, uh, or yes, when, it when yeah, that it it may finally in fact. drags you away from it. Yeah. 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 The only other mail system I use is Exchange at work. Hmm. Well, an exchange can do IMAP, but it can also do direct exchange. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, depending on so, how um, it's Speaking of email and getting in touch with people, is this a time to talk about such it's, things? It is now. <laughs> so, you know, I, I was thinking, Dave, what if someone wanted to get in touch with us? What would they do? What would you do? What would you do? Smoke signals. <laughs> but slightly more advanced is you may want to pick up the telephone and hit the buttons that say 206-666-GEEK, which is 4335. Uh, you could email us. Uh, you can email text. You can email pictures. You can email audio files. All to the same address. Feedback, F-E-E-D-B-A-C-K, at MacGeekGab.com. Now, Dave, you could also send movies, I think. And, and the address, again, I believe is feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Is that not correct? That's correct. It's a feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Uh, Skype. You can Skype us your comments. They will get to us. Not in the best quality, unfortunately, but they will get to us. Uh, and it's because Skype's gateway to the plain old telephone system, which is what we use for our voicemail. Pots. Uh, pots. That's right. doesn't work. It's a, they use a really crummy gateway. Uh, but anyway, the Skype address is MacGeekGab. But you're much better off either calling the 206-666-GEEK number or the best way to get us high quality audio is to email it to us at the feedback at MacGeekGab.com address. And if you're into the stalking thing, you can uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm John F. Braun. Dave is Dave Hamilton. Pilot Pete is Pilot Pete. You can follow the podcast at MacGeekGab on Twitter. And also That's right. the fountain of all Mac knowledge and wisdom, uh, Mac Observer on That's right. Twitter. And I think that... That's about it. I, that I know it. of nothing else, uh, uh, including the smoke signals. Eh? Yeah, that's right. When you said they were going to stalk us, I thought you were going to tell them to like, you know, find me on the uh, the Disney cruise last week in, in retrospect. No, I think Twitter is just kind of willful stalking. Yeah. No, it it's, it's neither yeah. good nor bad. It's just we'll see where it goes. For now, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, an interesting. We got question. some big ones here. Should yeah, we, uh, we do? Let's Pick do one two. or two of the big ones. Yeah. How are we doing on time here? Oh, John, I didn't press record. No. Um, <laughs> bye. <laughs> See you next week. Um, yeah, we've got time. Okay. So let, let's start with, we'll, we'll get our feet wet with, with George here. Now we've, we've explored this topic before, but, uh, but well, okay, perhaps, that, all right. That's an easy one. Perhaps uh, George. Yeah. We'll, we'll make this short. So George writes, I think if I remember on a past podcast, you both are split on either using the combo update or the software update for your particular machine. When OS 10 has an update available, could you each give me a pro and con on your thoughts on which you think is the better way to go? I know ultimately it is my decision, but I'd like your opinion. And of course, George, that's what we're here for. So, uh, so we're happy to do that. But, but yeah, you're right. You got to make your own decision. So, John, uh, you, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? I don't know which is better. My, my decision is to be lazy and okay. to use software update. Got it. I, I got to admit, that's why I do what I do. It comes up in software update, either forcing it from the 
you know, the Apple menu, or it just kind of comes up. And uh, the, the bad news with that is that uh, more often than not, if it's the night of an update and everybody, you know, does the same stupid thing, which is like, oh boy, an Apple update, let me grab it immediately. Um, you're going to have problems. And usually their mechanism detects that. I've seen this in the, uh, you know, messages that'll be like, you know, check some failed or something like that. It, it's not real. Well, it is in a sense that the data didn't make it to you, but that's because everybody else is dogpiling on the Apple servers trying to get the same thing. So that's why software update, uh, uh, getting the Apple software update via the software update mechanism is good if it's not rush hour and everybody else is trying to get it. Otherwise, it could be a nightmare. In which case, you, you may want to do one of the two web-based options, which I think they, they release almost immediately or shortly thereafter it being available for software update. I don't know, Dave. I, I get the sense that it usually shows up in software update first or the web pages or, or is it simultaneous now? Um, my experience is that software update is still the first place that this stuff appears. And then, like you said, the, the web pages, you know, Apple uses Akamai uh, to mm-hmm. cache their data on various edge servers, just like we do with with Cashfly, right, for our, our podcast data. Uh, for the, yes. Yeah. What it, what that does is it takes the same file and it pushes it out to a bunch of different servers located all over the globe. And then when you go to download our podcast or an Apple software update, uh, you know, with the podcast, you you request it from one of Cashfly. You request it from Cashfly. And then based on your location, that server is not the same for everyone. So, you know, John, you're you, we're here in, in the Northeast. So so we might get one out of New York, let's say. But uh, but someone in well, Boston or yeah, we, you right. and I usually get a good pipe. So I'm surprised sometimes. Well, actually, you think Apple is in California, not that their right. server farm is in California. I don't know where the heck it is. Yeah, no, it's, it's like all over. It's distributed. It's yeah. everywhere. But yeah, so it kind of shocks me sometimes when that happens, because I think it's it's more just they didn't anticipate, nor did they really want to you know, allocate buckets of bandwidth for a right or who knows? I mean, to me. Yeah, I don't I don't know your thoughts on why that happens again. Well, it's just- no, I think I think the Web page and, and what I was getting at is with Apple, their their website is also stored on these edge servers because they just have, mm-hmm. you know, millions of people coming to it. So uh, the the process of updating from the main, you know, the core server, if you will, to all the edge servers mm-hmm. does not always happen uh, simultaneously. So, right. you know, so replicating the data to all the, yes. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, so, so I think that's part of why it, it appears on the website later, uh, than it does in software update. But that being said, software update is always providing you with what they call the Delta updater, which is just enough to get you. Actually, that's not true. If you have the most current version of OS 10 and then a new one comes out. So let's say you have 10.6.1 and then 10.6.2 comes out. Software update will automatically select what they call the Delta updater, which is just the components required to get you from 10.6.1 to 10.6.2. However, that's it. What a chip. What if I want more? Well, however, if you only have 10.6.0, right, and 10.6.2 comes out. Then software update will present you with what they call the combo updater, which is everything required to get you all the way from the, you know, and if you, let's say you're at 10.6.1 and 10.6.5 comes out, you'll still get the combo updater and the combo updater will get you all the way from, you know, 10.6.0 all the way up to whatever version uh, it is, it is rated for. 
And it's usually much larger. And so that's why Apple tries to select the smallest one for you, both to save you the, the time and, of course, to save them uh, the bandwidth. However, uh, it's my experience that doing the combo updater has been a much safer and more reliable path. And uh, so that's step one. That that's you know, that's the reason I do the combo updater is because it's more reliable. I do it from the website because I can download it and save the updater. I actually now save it out to my Drobo, which is connected to my OS 10 server. So it's on the network. And then I only have to download it once for the household and I can update everything that, you know, the two machines here in the office and then the, the, the couple of machines over at the house. So so that that's the other reason that I do it that way is to just save the, the download time. OK, so what you're trying to say is that the combo updater goes all the way back to dot zero up until whatever Correct. it's for. That's right. Whereas the deltas obviously would be smaller. And yeah, if they're available. Right. Assuming you have no prior damage, which I think is what you were hinting at, or if not, I will hint at it. Right. If you don't have any prior screw ups due to whatever, then yeah. So 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 I I'm, I concur with you. The the combo is the best option, but it may not be be there immediately. And if you want an instant fix, go for software update and risk it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, but it's worked for me more often than not. Yeah. Yeah. How about and, that? And for anything but. Soft, but OS 10 updates, I will use software updates. So, you know, Safari updates, oh, iTunes like iTunes. Updates. And exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay, but for the OS itself, how about secure, uh, security updates? Or, yeah, Same that's thing. a one shot thing too. Same thing. Yeah, I'm happy okay, to use So, you updates. are more careful on your major OS updates. And, yeah. Uh, that's. Yeah. Well, that's you know, how want... you got where you are today, I think. <laughs> I'm not sure where. I'm not sure if that's a better spot to be. <laughs> But it is how I got here. It's the one key secret to my uh, to my my position here. What else we got here? Uh, all right, now it's time to get geeky, John. Ben writes, and he did write. I'm I'm pretty sure of that. Wow. Yeah, Ben writes. He he wrote a lot of stuff. I'm gonna. I'm, I might I might summarize a little. Yes. Please. Ben has a friend. He says, uh, "My friend created. Uh, I created a wireless network, Ethernet." Uh, I'm going to start over again. How you doing, John? You want to talk about Ben? Ben, yes. Ben, all right, great. Ben writes, I have a friend who I created a wired Ethernet network for uh, their house. Okay, so it's not just me with the grammar. Okay. Uh, They have two Windows machines and a MacBook Pro early 2008 model. She has been experiencing very weird activity in Safari and Firefox. Safari will load very slow at times, and other times it will load instantly. At the slow time, Safari might come up as Safari can't find the web page address. It won't disconnect from the Internet, though. So I had her reset Safari as per the Apple uh, discussion thread. Empty Safari's cache, close Safari, go to the home folder, empty all the f- form values, download plist, go through everything, repair permissions, start up Safari again. Same problem. I then had her disconnect her Ethernet and turn on her airport card and connect to her neighbor's wireless Internet network just temporarily. Her web pages zinged right in. No delay, no trouble loading. The Windows machines on her wired Ethernet network are working great. No trouble. So I thought maybe it's a compatibility problem with the router. So I took the MacBook Pro to the data point entrance and plugged in the Ethernet cable. Uh, essentially plugged her MacBook Pro into the cable modem, we'll say. Uh, the website loaded lightning fast. No troubles, like I would expect. 
expect. The router came from the local ISP thinking they would offer good routers. It's a D-Link router. I'm going to have her bring it over to my house and plug it into my network to see if she has the same trouble. The question is, is there anything that I need to do to address this issue that I am missing? Is it just a compatibility issue with the router and the Mac? And if it is, is there a way to fix the router so that it works with the Mac? If not, what router do I need to buy to work with a Mac and Windows World? Okay. Um, the interesting, we talked about something like this uh, recently, John, where Windows machines were happy on a network with a router. Obviously, to me, uh, Ben's problem or Ben's friend's problem is and is some sort of incompatibility uh, between the router and the Mac because plugging directly into the uh, whatever the internet yeah. connection is what, works. What fine. We're calling a router, and to me, it's not clear if it's a router or a switch or a, but but it's some box where you could plug multiple devices including the windows machines and yeah because right. it doesn't happen to the windows machines as far as we can tell that's right um it's almost certainly and you know i could suggest some places to look but i've seen this happen before and maybe you were going in this direction i'm, I'm just going to run with it go with it yeah so, take it um so to me the idea is that there's something different on the mac so what could that be well you know there's a place to start which is system preferences network and I've dug around in that area. Now, if we're talking wired, uh, note that the problem uh, is only with wired and not wireless, which uh, leads me to believe well, it could be a let's, setting. Let's not let's not assume that because I'm I'm going to assume that based on the data that was provided. But I mean, I agree I'm going to I'm going to stop you here. I'm going to stop you here because there, we're not connecting wired and wireless to the same router. Right. Okay. Wireless is connecting right. to the neighbor. Wired is connecting to hers. So so it's not an apples to apples, if you will, uh, comparison. But but I, no, think, I won't. OK, go. All right. Excellent. Go. <laughs> no, no, I agree with you. No, you're right. But um, so the thing is, uh, on the wire connection, uh, a couple of things that I have uh, helped people diagnose network problems with that you should look in is if you go into the system preferences network on this machine, and then advanced, there will be a tab, TCP IP, configure IPv6. I've had situations where if you turn that to off, things work a lot better. Just one suggestion. You can flip through the other tabs here. I don't think many of the others will cause much problems. You may want to go to Apple Talk and shut that off. I don't know if that causes any grief. Um, and then the other one, which, Dave, we, we've dug into before, which is under the Ethernet tab, if you have built-in Ethernet, is our pal the MTU? Yes. I don't know if you want to run with this or uh, uh, yeah, I'll or take I'll it. Run with it. No, right. you know what? You go. You go. You you've got it. Yeah, keep going. Well, MTU is 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 a low level um, aspect of networking that is a minimum transmission unit, which is at the very lowest levels uh, electrically uh, when you send a packet. Uh, you know, don't shake your fist if you're a network guy. But but I'll say it, it in a nutshell. It's a block of data that the network can send around safely without it causing problems. Now, a lot of networks, when the amount of data you want to send around gets too large, it starts breaking it up just for the sake of network efficiency. Now, sometimes the MTU value that is set on the Mac or whatever computer, depending on the router or switch, and actually I'm going to say router rather than switch. Switches right. are kind of dumb, I think. A router is a smarter device. But if the router doesn't quite agree with what the computer's doing for this, then the problem is the packets get all broken up and then there's all sorts of chaos on the network. So uh, we've seen that and it's in the Ethernet tab. You may want to actually manually set it, I think, to a, a slightly smaller value to see. Uh, now, the thing is, the, the, the problem is not 
in the Mac necessarily, though it may be part of the problem in that it's not working <laughs> to your expectations, but it, it really, I've seen in a lot of cases, is a firmware upgrade for the, uh, the router itself in that it's not implementing this MTU protocol quite right. Yep. All right. It could be uh, finger pointing, you know, escapade where both people point at each other saying, no, it's the Mac, no, it's the Netgear or whatever. And yeah, but hopefully um, <laughs> the, somebody admits fault and, and then you get a fix. Go right. On. That's right. So I, I'm going to do a couple things. I, I, I know you know what this is, but I believe you misspoke. For MTU, uh, you had said minimum transmission unit. It is actually maximum. I'm sorry. Maximum. Yeah. I, I knew. I know you knew yes. that. Uh, but I, I just wanted to clarify that to, to stop the, the emails. You. Yeah. Cause otherwise, you know, they just start flooding in. Um, now, number two. It, it, yeah. The, there, there is, I believe there are issues with, uh, known issues with some D link routers and older versions of their firmware. So, so definitely upgrade the firmware on your router if possible. Now, if it's provided by the cable company, you may or may not have, mm-hmm. Uh, permissions to to do that on the router. The other thing you can do is is right where you said, John, in that Ethernet tab under the advanced section of your your network, uh, you change it from configure automatically to configure manually, and then set that MTU to something less than fifteen hundred, which is going to be its default. You know, try dropping it down to fourteen hundred. See if that helps. If that doesn't, go down to. 13, maybe even 12, uh, at some point there, you're, you're probably going to hit something that, that makes the router happy. One other thing to look at is the speed and the duplex. I have seen some, uh, I've not seen this with routers. I've seen it with some switches, but routers have switches built into them, uh, where it does not auto detect properly. One end or the other does not auto detect uh, and I've seen it where, you know, the switch auto detects full duplex, but for whatever reason, uh, the computer detects half duplex and, and then you've got this weird issue. So you want your computer to do whatever the switch thinks it's doing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if the switch thinks that it's a hundred megabit full duplex, uh, yeah. then, you know, make sure that you've configured it that way out there. You, you don't want to, you don't want to leave it up to chance. Um, especially if, if you're having some flaky problems like this. So that that's the last place to check. But I, yeah, it's I think probably it, I, it's probably due to you buying cheap cable or you have either a cat or a rat or some other <laughs> um, critter around the house that likes to chew on cables who is just ruining your cable. No, I've seen this in the past. Yeah. Check your cable if, if, if it's, uh, yeah, uh, buy a new cable by all means. Cables, I mean, a lot of times these devices, they will do their darndest to try to you know get as much bandwidth and if the cable is marginal it may only be giving you you know a notch below what it, what it what it can do e- so uh even with good cables i've seen mismatches on the auto detection um, really yeah oh, okay. i have so yeah. if if you have to force it force it yeah, yeah force sometimes it. it's yeah all right. The, the servers that put the, the hammer down. The servers that TMO runs on the switch that we use down there, um, it is is oh. one such switch where the switch detects full duplex, just like you would expect, and the computer's like, "Yep, half duplex, good to go." Like, no, 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 <laughs> no. And you know, we've so got you lock high, it. high quality you, you, cables. You're yeah. you're the boss. That's right. It's like, no, no. What's the switch saying? <laughs> we've had them, you know, visually check the switch. Okay, it says hundred. Okay, good, great. You know. Um, okay, and where so, the heck are we? But I think MTU is probably their answer, John. I think I think you hit it with that. I yeah, I think you back it off to. Uh, we'll we'll find. Uh, I know we've done this before, but yeah. back it off to fourteen hundred should be enough. Yep. If that's the issue, that that'll you know get you 
out of the woods until you can figure out what the real problem is. Yeah, right. Right. Um, all right. You want to do one more crazy geeky thing here or, no. or should we save this for, for another, uh, for another show? That's, it's going to go long. It's going to go yeah. long. Uh, so we got we to gotta kind of ration our, uh, you know, it's all the rage these days. <laughs> ration. You know what I wanted to talk about? Uh, so, um, iPhone Alley, you know, is the podcast that Michael Johnston does. Now, he's, of course, the, the person who uh, converts this show to AAC enhanced format for all of you. And and if you listen to show 61, uh, he started the show off by by I'll say paying homage to uh, to our little style there where, where he, he kicked the show off with a greetings, folks, after the uh I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was throwing down a gauntlet of sorts. Well, I think he was. was he? And I think we're, 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 we've got some sort of bake off challenge being, being, uh, being levied at us here, John. So we've got to, we've got to, we've got to figure out off? the details of this. I'm not, so, I'm, I'm more grilling than baking, but I'll, I'll, <laughs> I can, I can accept baking. Maybe we can do a grill off. Maybe you could bake a cake on the grill. That's uh, just, no, go. <laughs> so I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure where this is going to go, but, uh, but it's very interesting nonetheless. So, uh, so we'll, we'll see where, we'll see where that, where that. Well, he, he, he Twittered me saying a challenge has been issued, but I, I don't know the nature of it yet. Yes. Yeah. Well, he, it was some sort of, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, but we will, we'll have to, we'll have to, we'll have to figure this out. Maybe, maybe the listeners can, can pull together and, and, and lay this out for us. Cause I somebody be needs to throw down a gauntlet and now, did you get a gauntlet, John? Do you, do you own a gauntlet? I don't have one. I have to order one before okay. I can throw it down. Sorry. Well, now's the time. You know, we've got Black Friday coming up. Uh, there's going to be all sorts of deals. Maybe there's a, you know, Gauntlets R Us is having a special. Uh, gauntlet Emporium <laughs> is uh, looking good these days. <laughs> I like that. That's good. That's good. Uh, I will band. be in. Yeah, I'm finding the band. Uh, I will be in Austin, <laughs> Texas uh, Ooh, in a couple of weeks, hmm. just for a couple of days. Uh, but uh, I will be attending the Austin Cap Mac meeting on Tuesday, December eighth. It's at seven p.m. Central Time. Attending? I'm not, yeah, I'm not presenting. Are you, per- Bob are Le- you participating? Uh, Bob, I'm sure I'll 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 chime in if uh, you know if I have something to say. But uh, but Bob Levitis is there. Kino oh. or not? Yeah, he's their speaker for for that meeting. So it should be should be a blast. And they have their meetings. I'm told in a bar. So how bad could it be? Right? I mean, it's, it's going to be a blast. So. Mac Geeks a bar. That's yeah. uh Yeah. Come on out. You so go. if you're if you're in if you're in the Austin area, come come on out. Uh it'll it you know, I'll be there and uh, and we'll have a blast. Assuming my flights are on time and you know all that good stuff. But I I I, I buffered but, enough room there, I think I'll yeah. be all right. Yep. And how do you get oh we did that already. We <laughs> did that. And we even talked about Cashfly, which is spelled C H E No it's not. <laughs> Now you're oh, having wow. the uh, I, I, all right, yeah. C a c h e f l y dot com uh, is the company that provides all the bandwidth for this podcast, and the podcast marketplace of sponsors includes uh, the A two desktop speakers from Audio Engine, Yojimbo from Barebones Software, Disc Label from Smile on My Mac, Notebook from Circus Ponies, Pathfinder from Cocotech, and the Blue Bridge from Micus, all through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. I don't have anything else to add here, John. And, and with the way my tongue's been tied this evening, I'm thinking that's well, a we good both, thing. We both had tongue tie syndrome. Yeah, we did. You know, the, the thing is, if we don't, I, I, I didn't realize this. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, speak to people at work, of course. But uh, of course, 
thinking our podcast is probably the longest extended you know conversation I have uh, unless I'm at a boring meeting and I'm, <laughs> well actually no not a boring meeting but an engaging meeting like where right. I'm running things or presenting but right. I think the podcast is probably one of the more extended pieces of time like the others I do which uh, you may have heard yeah. I've, I've made an appearance on a Mac Roundtable and uh yeah, absolutely. Not Mac Jury. Actually, you did a more recent Mac Jury than I did. Uh, that might be true. So anyways. We we are doing a Mac Geek Cab on the show floor at Macworld Expo. I'm trying to see if I have Oh, the, right. Uh, you sent me the, uh, and, and, uh, and, and the other podcast, the, the, the Cool Mac Kid podcast. We may do those. Yeah, let's see. I'm trying to find this here. I, I believe it's on, it's a, th- that Thursday is going to be a crazy day. I think it's like 1230 um, yeah. On, on that Thursday, but I'm, I'm looking it up here. Maybe on the, on the schedule. I've, uh, oh, it is. And you know, I got to say, the amount of uh, Paul Kent has done an excellent job. He will tweet out the uh, additional exhibitors. And yeah. It just looks like the who's who of, you know, most of the people we're already, you know, familiar with and, and like to see at Macworld. Yeah. Uh, so he's done an amazing job. You know, there are a couple of people that are bowing out, like Apple, but. Oh, well, yeah. Other than them, Who needs it looks them? like it's going to be uh, like, you know, honestly, Dave, I got to say, uh, you, you know, you, you've seen what I do when, when I'm there. I, I don't cover the Apple stuff because everybody right. else knows about it. It's the, you know, cooler, little innovative companies that, that you know, are, are, you know, just trying to get the money to exhibit uh, at a show like this. And uh, more often than not, we found that, you know, that they are the ones that, you know, put out the really cool stuff. That, yeah makes it worth going to the show so uh yeah thir- thursday and it's in february, february thank goodness thursday february 11th 12 30 p.m pacific time is when john and i will be doing a live mac geek Gab on the main stage there at macworld expo so that's the weirdest part dave february i know thank I like goodness that. no more ces battle and I, I get to uh, I get to spend the, the, I get to fly home on on that Sunday, which would be of course Valentine's Day. So I get to spend Valentine's Day snuggled up next to some guy on the airplane. So that'll be nice. <laughs> doesn't have to be a guy. Why? No, I this already. Doesn't. What's that? <laughs> I, plan, I, I, yeah, I already have plans. <laughs> uh, it could be. I don't know. It could it could be anybody. It could be a child. Who knows? In fact, I could get lucky and have an empty seat. Uh, Actually, I think I already used Miles to force the upgrade on that one, so I'll be uh, I'll I'll be up in, in uh, first, I think, for that one. Yep. So, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's get out of here. Right? We're good. It. We talked about all that good stuff. We got everything. Mm. Yeah, we're good. Call right. Comment iTunes comments if you like those. Telepathy. Smoke signals. Mind the control. Wave. The wave. And and as I had to remember, one late night on the cruise, don't get caught. Made up.